Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. You guys seen this update on Bronny James? Yeah. 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 Uh, Bucky and Aaron were talking about that, and then we uh, mentioned that. Hopefully he's going to be okay. Jeez. Suffered a cardiac arrest on floor, but out of, what was it? He's, he's resting comfortably, stable condition now. So, yeah, scary moment. Scary, scary, scary stuff. I mm-hmm. uh, don't know how we transitioned from that to other things, but uh, did you guys see Arch Manning? Yeah. That's his first official, her first announced NIL deal. Yeah, and I thought about you immediately it's, it's because r- of what it is. It's right up my alley. It is. And I'll tell you how insane this is. So he signed a multi-year deal with Panini, the trading card manufacturer, which Panini right now has the licenses uh, for the NFL, the NBA, although they'll lose those in the next few years to Fanatics. Uh, they've got WWE, UFC. They've got some NCAA stuff for the time being. The MLB Players Association. Actually, they don't have the Players Association license anymore. Um, so Quentin Ewers just recently signed a deal with Panini. Arch Manning has his deal with Panini. They do have NCAA licensing. Arch Manning's first trading card. It is a throwback to the first year Panini put out NFL Prism, which is their kind of trademark hallmark set. It's their flagship set. Okay. Uh, it is a one of one, so this is the only one in existence. It's a prism black uh, Arch Manning autograph. For, so, for folks, it's the card itself is black, right? Uh, the borders are black. The borders it's just are kind black. Of the the yeah. parallel. It's the only one in existence. And when I stopped for gas, I stopped for gas down the street. What's that's what's the route? He's like five minutes from here, right? I look at the bids. The bids were the high bid was one thousand sixty dollars. Than this auction for this one of one. Okay. Right now, which is 15 minutes later, the high bid's over $10,000. Wow. Yeah. So that's going to fetch a pretty penny. So I've got to imagine, for the Manning family to do that, i got to imagine Arch got himself a nice little payday. Well, $10,050 is the uh, current high bid. uh, And then somebody said he said he wouldn't sign anything until he is a starter money talks. Uh, Before you go that far in your thinking also, all of the proceeds from the sale go to St. David's Healthcare and St. David's Foundation. All. Awesome. All. So for those of you who are wanting to jump on it for that, understand. Uh, that's it, They've made a very, uh, very direct point in saying all of the proceeds from the sale of that first card are, are to go to the St. David's Healthcare and St. David's Foundation. So at least, like you said, the low bid, what the high bid right now is ten grand. It's a little over ten grand. Yeah. Okay, so whatever that one card fetches, one hundred percent of it's going to St. David's. But our art still probably got paid. Oh, I'm sure he and, got. And paid. it's a multi-year deal. And and you got to understand with Panini too. Yes, they manufacture trading cards, but you're talking about memorabilia. Like you look at the players and the athletes who have mm-hmm. you know their Panini exclusive guys. Uh, Luka Doncic is a Panini exclusive. Uh, Vanessa Bryant and Kobe's estate. All his stuff, uh, if it's a Kobe autograph, it's going to be a Panini exclusive. There are a lot of guys that are Panini exclusive signers. Now, some of those guys are becoming Fanatics exclusive signers. That's a whole different deal of minutiae you can get into. But, yeah, this is a this is not some, some mom-and-pop company. This was this is a, a multi, multi-million, dare I say at times, multi-billion-dollar company that the Manning family is doing business with. Are you me. saying this is not Bijan Mustardson? <laughs> not. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think Arch is getting a little bit better mustard. Uh, this this is more uh, Lamborghini money than, uh, I understand. than mustard money. And, and again, my, my point is this. You're exactly right, Jeff. I'm sure he is getting paid for it. But the most... The highest dollar item of what he's doing right off the top 
is that black-bordered card that you're talking about where all of the proceeds from that are going to St. David's. Now, is he getting mm-hmm. paid? Sure. Sure he is. But there is something to be said also for the for, for what he's doing there for that also. Yeah, I went to Panini thinking, oh, hey, maybe I can get an arts card. I didn't know it was the one of one. And, yeah, it's, uh, let's see, it's uh, four days left in this auction. It's in the time we've been talking, uh, $11,000 now the hype bid. Okay. So there you go. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah, dog. No, Ar- Arch, uh, Arch is getting paid. Uh, I want to go ahead and continue our kind of off-season, kind of camp preview, season preview stuff. So yesterday, do you have anything to add, Craig? I don't know. No, the only other thing I was going to say about Dylan Campbell is when we were in, and Jeff and I were talking, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Cameron and I were talking about this, um, it'll be interesting to see what level of minor league ball they start him at, and they might just choose to send him to the complex in Arizona. Uh, you know, since we're now into late July, he he could maybe be sent to low A ball in uh, in uh, the, in Michigan. I think it's in Midland, Michigan, where the Great Lakes Saloons are. It's low A ball there. It could be that, but it, they might just want to send him to the complex, get him acclimated to things before fall ball comes up. Is the Arizona Fall League? Yep. Yeah, I think there's probably a good ch- good chance of that. And I think for DC too, as much baseball as he's played in his career at Texas. I'm sure the time off, and not that he hasn't been working out or training anything. I'm sure the time off does him well. Uh, before we get into football, though, we got plenty of time to get into football. Let's since Dylan, since DC's deal is done, let's go ahead and look at this Longhorn baseball team yeah. for, for 2024 and what you're looking at now. So now, you know, you know if you're David Pierce, now you know who you've got coming back. You know who's not coming back for sure now. You know, the kind of the blessing in disguise. We talk about hey, the good news, bad news bit. Bad news that Porter Brown didn't get drafted. Good news is that he's back for another year, so that's going to help your outfield. Yep. Uh, talking to David Pierce down in Houston last week, he's o- over the moon excited. That might be an understatement. When I asked him which guys are going to contribute right away of this freshman class, yep. Will Gasparino. Like I, I, I've told you this. I didn't even finish the question, and he was talking about Will Gasparino. They're really excited about him. He would have been, you know, a top. Well, Craig, probably top two round pick, maybe a top three round pick, but it gets to a point in the draft where guys are comfortable with their college decision, and if they're not taken ideally where they want and the number is high enough, they've got the leverage to say, hey, if you're not willing to pay me this number, I'm perfectly happy with my college decision, and that's kind of the boat Will Gasparino was in. So he'll be part of that outfield mix. Uh, does Ace Whitehead get in that outfield mix? Max Ballou actually has had a really good summer out in California hitting the ball. So I feel like... Between your your corner outfield mix, your center field mix, between Gasparino, Baloo, some of those newcomers, I don't know. It feels like Ace Whitehead at this point is probably going to stay on the mound, I would think, uh, unless it's kind of a midweek game and you just need an extra outfield or whatever. But it feels like your outfield mix is pretty set. You know, Jared Thomas is back. Jalen Flores is back. Peyton Powell is back. Jack O'Dowd is back. So unlike this past season, with the exception of catcher, you bring everybody back. You know, we were talking about last year, hey, Mitch Daly's the only returner on the infield. Well, the only thing you've got, the only position you've got to replace is going to be catcher with Garrett Gilmet signing with the Astros. But you've got two really good catchers they're excited about, Nick Sanders from Waco University, mm-hmm. and you've got Oliver Service coming in. Also, Ryan Galvan's going to be a sophomore. He's yeah. another year experience. And I, I think how quickly we forget, Craig, everybody gets excited about the freshman. Ryan Galvan was one of those guys that could have easily been playing pro baseball this yeah. past season. Yeah. 
Ryland was drafted, but he but you're right. He uh, and I think he I think he did improve a lot. Now there's still and David Pierce has talked about that. There's some things they want to work on with him. But it, it it's funny um, that you mention him because he was one of the guys that um, Keith Moreland was talking about. He could see possibly turning into a into a really accomplished hitter mm-hmm. for Texas. And, and Keith Moreland, by the way, will be in studio with us on Thursday morning. Uh, Jeff will be out uh, Wednesday, uh, tomorrow and Thursday. And uh, Bucky's going to be here in the 10 o'clock hour. He's going to stick around for an hour as we'll do one last hour together during our time here in this building. And then, and then uh, Keith will be here at 11 o'clock on Thursday. So we'll get his thoughts on, the, on, on what the uh, Longhorn roster looks like and uh, and we'll talk obviously big league ball with him on Thursday as well. But but to your point, uh, Keith was saying that Ryland Galvin is is one of those guys that they think, um, and he believes could wind up being a really accomplished power hitter for Texas. Yeah, and then you've got uh, you know you, how how are these transfers going to factor in? Uh, Seth Warshan from from Penn. Uh, you know you, we talked last week about Luke Storm from Duke. Uh, big six five, two hundred forty pound infielder. Does he fat? You know, does if Max Blue doesn't get an outfield spot, I would imagine he probably factors into your DH mix mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, we know Jalen Flores was in in that mix last year, but he's probably going to get every opportunity again to be the everyday shortstop. So you've got a lot of really good tools uh, to work with in terms of what you've got returning and and your pitch. Look, <laughs> David kind of laughed when I asked him about. It. I said, I mean, you got to feel pretty good. You know, you lose lose Gino, but feel pretty good when you can think about a weekend rotation and you know you can just pencil in Tanner Witt and, and LBJ and then work everything from there. And He's excited about you know what Charlie Hurley can do this fall mm-hmm. to maybe round out a really good weekend rotation. And you know you got to replace some bullpen pieces because you relied a lot on Zane Morehouse who was gosh Zane Morehouse was so good at the end of the year. You kind of wish you'd gotten it, that from him over a bigger chunk of your season, maybe things go a little different. But uh, Zane Morehouse pitched well. You know, when Travis Stelly was kind of a guy that really, you know, Craig kind of did whatever they needed him to do. You need him to spot start. You need him to long relief. You need him to just come in for, for a short burst and, and get you a couple critical outs. Kind of used him for a little bit of everything. So you, know, you got to rework some pieces in that bullpen. But I, I feel like from a pitching standpoint, they're much – the foundation's much better now than it was maybe a year ago. Yep. When yep. we didn't know about LBJ yet, we didn't know what mm-hmm. Tanner Witt's situation was going to be. Uh, I, th- I think if you're David Pierce and, and that staff, uh, you know Chris Gordon working with the with the pitchers, I think you feel like you're in a much better spot than you were a year ago. True enough. Uh, CP says people on Twitter are already ripping his signature on the card. To At the- least you can read it, though. At least you can read Arch's signature. There, I'll show you during the break, Craig. There's some there's some bad ones that are difficult to read. Like no, like. I think it's Cam Reddish, I think, former Duke star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know Cam Reddish with the Knicks now, yep. I think. If you look at Cam Reddish's rookie autographs, it's just a line, like a single line. Wow. Like you just got tired of signing stickers and at cards. At least you can see just, the A and Arch. No, like you can. I'll show you real quick if it'll pull up. Yeah. Uh, oh, you can read his. See, look, you can. Now, it's not the best penmanship, but you can read. That's his name, right? Oh, well, it went away. <laughs> Oh, uh, t- see, look, you, you can. That's his name. Look, you can read it clearly. Oh, it's yeah. pretty clear. I don't know what they'd be ripping him for, and don't really care. I would say 
Uh, I would say RG. Anybody check your check the constituency, the fan constituency of those doing the ripping, and you'll have your answer. No, I would say Arch's signature. I mean. Go look at his uncles. You seen Peyton's autograph? That's not exactly nice and free flowing. It kind of looks like, dude, was he? Was he a few few Bruce's in when he signed this thing? Uh, Eli's isn't perfect either, but I think Arch's autograph is yet another example that they don't teach cursive in school anymore. Correct? They don't. They don't. That's one of those things we had that conversation about things you did in school back in the day that you don't do that aren't done anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever whatever was taught, specific subject will matter or just things that you got in the school cafeteria uh to I know the guys were talking about outside in the hallway before we got going about uh certain vaccinations that that happened in your school days, you know, there were lots of things that were done differently uh in school back in the day and writing cursive uh, was was one of those things you had to work on it. You had like to practice been, on it. I've been putting this together this uh, this run of Longhorn football contenders rookie ticket autos from the contender series. Yeah, and you can see like the autographs how they go through the years. Like you look at like Colt McCoy's autograph and Jordan Shipley and Aaron Williams. Like the penmanship is really good, and you can read it. And then you get down to like Charles Amenahu, and I love Charles, but it's just like a C with a line. I'm like, like. Could have put a little more effort into that, Charles. And then, like, you could see, like, guys like Sam Ellinger and Cameron Dicker are trying really hard to, like, write cursive, but they don't really write with it a lot. So it just kind of, I don't know, it might look like a third grader wrote it. So Albert yeah. Breer says it looks like his eight-year-olds. Exactly, because um, guys don't know how to write, write cursive. cursive. Yeah, okay. All right. You know, he's probably also trying to write it within it. You know how you write sometimes when you have to sign your name, yeah, like in one of those deals, and in a, in a tight space, like a docu sign or something, and it and it takes. A, I will also tell you this: that is one of those skills that if you don't use it, you lose it. Plus if you if, don't practice, if you don't write much in handwriting, cursive handwriting, it gets it gets a little bit sloppy. And I've noticed that about my own. Plus, if you're not used to, I see guys struggle with this. Uh, if you ever, if you ever buy Leaf All American products from the All American Bowl, I want to know why some of those autographs look the way they do. Some guys just aren't used to signing autographs. Yeah, yeah. so they're not really sure kind of what to do. Do they still teach it? Because I remember it was like second, third grade is when you had to go through. That's when you had to do the, the whole cursive. alphabet yeah. and write this stuff. You'd then you see that stop. chart across. My wife works at a private school, and I think, I think in some of the lower school grades they still teach it. Yeah. Yeah. Public school is hard because everything, you know, I don't want to get on a public education rant, but it's a lot about <laughs> standardized tests and whatnot. Bizarre of Dale Dudley says, I miss that rectangular pizza from Molly B. Dawson Elementary. Man, we hey, ain't nothing like square square pizza, Salisbury steak in the cafeteria. I would eat that meal. The corn. Right now. Right there on that. They don't get the brand. Do you ever figure that out, Cameron? Was that a deal in your school? Like you get the, the square pizza with corn? Yeah, why they give you, because they felt like they were giving you a vegetable, even though we know corn is not technically a vegetable. Starch on yeah, starch, yeah, I remember that. I the, remember how fire the pizza was, though. With like yeah. some Jello, Jello usually on the yeah. side. Yeah, the low the... calorie, low fat Jello with the Doritos <laughs> that were like the low calorie Doritos. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. low calorie, the bake, they were the baked Cheetos, baked Lay's. No, back in my day, it was just straight up like whatever. They and, didn't care. And I've I've said this before on the air, but it, it bears repeating uh, at least one more time while I was here. When I, when I was when I was a elementary school kid into junior high, one of the formula. F- uh, one of the things that that helped form in my mind about being on radio and broadcasting was the morning drive, if you will, 
radio show on the AM station in Greensboro, WBIG, which I thought were great call letters, and then the station ended up shutting down like in the 80s. <laughs> I found that later. AM 1470, it was the Braves affiliate, too. We listened to it. That was the only baseball I'd get. But you had this old uh, Tom radio host named Bob Poole, and he had been in New York. He'd been and worked at World War II and all that, but he, was, but he was from North Carolina. He had this incredible baritone voice, this deep, deep voice, and he was and, and he would read the school lunch menu. Today's school lunch menu, fried fish, collard greens, sliced cornbread, congealed cranberry salad, plain or chocolate milk. That's today's school lunch menu for today. Every now and then he would say, today's school lunch menu, and he'd hit the drop of Andy Griffith from what it, what it was with football going, two hot dogs and a big orange drink. He goes, no. No, it's not that. And then he would, he would read the thing on that. But yeah, school lunch menus are different. We ever do? A, did you ever hear a Diablo sandwich drop? I never heard that one uh, from Smokey and the Bandit. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr Pepper, and make it fast. I'm in a hurry. You want anything? Hush, puppies, daddy. We got no time for that crap. 